you for listening. Thank you for listening. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Outstanding Ohioans. To the Outstanding Ohioans. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by my daddy. Hosted by my daddy. Hello, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioans show. This is episode 9. My name is Ron Silico. I've got a very unique interview today, and this is a great show for anyone that's interested in what they could do to help their family in terms of emergency preparation, looking to live more off the grid or off the grid completely, or to embrace an old-fashioned frontier lifestyle. I'm with Galen Lehman, who is the president and co-owner of Lehman's Hardware, and he's been with Lehman's Hardware for 37 years. It's a family business, and Galen, if you could talk a little bit about the location of your business and what makes it so unique. Okay, it's actually, actually it's pronounced Lehman's. I'm, I'm uh, sorry. It's like the old German uh, pronunciation. Um, so... My family came here from, from the German area of Switzerland about probably seven or eight generations ago. And we've been living here in this area, which is northeast Ohio, uh, in, in, in Amish country for all of that time. And during that time, of course, uh, we've developed a lot of contacts in the Amish community. And so uh, initially, when my dad started the business in 1955, he was interested in finding products that the Amish were looking for. At that time, nearly all the Amish were farmers, and and hardly any of them did any business, and they just couldn't find the stuff they needed to live their lifestyle. Over the years, we've kind of transitioned to where most of our customers today are non-Amish people looking for Amish-style products. Many of our vendors, probably a couple hundred of our vendors, in fact, are Amish vendors. And so... The, the, the situation has changed. Amish, there are not as many farmers anymore. Now they're producing products, and instead of selling so much to them, they're actually buying from them and bringing it to the general public. Great. Now, according to your website and, and just some of the articles I read, your, your dad started the business. Could you give us some background on how that got started and what was his purpose with that? There was another uh, hardware store in town, and in order to survive, he had to be very unique. And what would happen is, you know, he was the new guy on the block, and he was hungry. People would come to him and say, uh, can you get this or can you get that? And they may have checked 10 or 20 places already uh, to see if they could get whatever they were looking for, and the answer was always no. Well, he was too young and maybe too naive to say no. He said yes instead, or at least I'll try. And that was kind of how we got started with the idea that we would look for the items that, that no one else was looking for and led us to the place we are today where we, we emphasize that many of our products don't require electricity. So we have refrigerators that don't require electricity. We have wood stoves that you can cook on without electricity. We have oil lamps that don't need electricity that gives brilliant white light. Um, but We've also expanded into other areas, just constantly looking for things that aren't readily available in the, in the open market. Yeah. Two questions, Galen, that, that come to mind about that is, 
Number one, how do you, as an owner and, and president, how do you gauge what the demand is from the customers? And and then B, what are some of the processes that you use to, to locate these hard-to-find items? Well, you know, it's kind of a difficult process. Part of it is knowing our customers and, and, and trying to understand their needs. And so, um, just for example, a number of years ago, a customer asked me for a pan stretcher. I didn't know what a pan stretcher was. I'd never seen one. And the very idea was kind of absurd to me. I mean, what, you're gaining weight and so you need bigger pants and so you want to stretch them or what is it? Well, what it is is a wire frame you put inside your pant legs that stretches them and puts a crease in them. So when you hang your pants on the clothesline, when they dry, they have a crease. And, you know, the idea of a pant stretcher was kind of squirreled away in my mind and uh, almost forgotten, but I kind of was kind of half looking for it and a couple years later, I happened to see some. I can't even remember where I saw them anymore, but I was like, well, that's the thing we're looking for. And, you know, today that's a very popular item for us, uh, especially with with uh, people moving more and more from using clothes dryers to using clothes lines uh, because of the environmental impact, because it's always available, uh, even without electricity, uh, and, and, and because of how it makes your clothes feel and smell when they're, when they're dried on the line. That's so unique. That's that's very unique in, in, in that approach. Is there is there ever a time where you, you get a request for item and you just are you or your dad or, or another person is just burning up the phone lines or just looking on the internet trying to trying to locate this item? Yeah, and and you know many of those items we're out of luck. It's not like we have magic powers. Uh, we can't create something where nothing exists. But we're, we're willing to go to pretty far lengths to supply things. And so um, about uh, 10 or 12 years ago, uh, the last butter churn maker in the United States was in financial trouble, and uh, it looked like we weren't going to get any more butter churns. And so uh, we, designed, we designed our own butter churn and started manufacturing it. And demand was good enough. About a year or two ago, I went in and, uh, and, and we actually set up a lab and started testing, and we actually were able to improve it considerably. And it was worth the investment because people were looking for a butter churn that worked well. Um, and, and you can see, in fact, we filmed that, uh, and you can see videos of it on YouTube right now on, on, on Layman's YouTube channel. Uh, of, of me with the guy who was helping me and, and some of the work we did to test the butter churn. Okay. Now, you know, to relate it to that point, I'll have some a follow-up question with that. What 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 does your dad identify as the tipping point where he he knew that this business was going to be successful? back, he told the, the leaders of that agency, which is called Mennonite Central Committee, he told them that he would like to serve again if they had a chance. And so about five years later, the, the hardware store was barely, had legs under it. It was, it was going and it was barely profitable, but it was going. Uh, 
uh, here the folks from Mennonite Central Committee called us again and they said, we've got some work for you in Africa. So dad picked up the family, went to Africa, and my uncle ran the store for the next 10 years while we were in Africa. But when we were in Africa, he saw a lot of new needs and new uh, uh, ideas. Of course, electricity is not very reliable over there. Uh, new ways to do old things. Uh, and when he came back, we were, it was in the 70s, and uh, was the, the, uh, the hippie movement was going on, and people were talking about moving off off the grid and going back to the land. And we just found that those interests all intersected at one time. The products we carried for the, for the Amish at that time, about 80% of our customers were Amish. So we already had a big line of products that was non-electric. Uh, some of the new things he learned in Africa, new ways to apply old technology. Uh, and then on top of that, the sudden realization that people besides Amish were looking for these kinds of products. Okay. That was kind of the tipping point. When he, he came back, he saw this new demand, and he realized he had the product, and he knew how to apply it to people's lives. That was the tipping point probably in the, uh, by that time, maybe the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. So so your family comes back from Africa. What? How, how does he go about implementing these ideas? What if you if you could take us through the phases that that he used to grow the business? Well, some of it was just good luck, and I think anybody who's successful can tell you that luck played a big role. So, for example, uh, right before the oil crisis hit, he had purchased a truckload of wood stoves for our Amish customers, and it was meant to last for a couple of years, uh, but. Because of the oil crisis, people were looking for alternate ways to heat their houses, and all of a sudden, you know, in, in a matter of a few months, the whole load was sold. So that was an example where luck just played a role. Um, another thing that happened was that people from distant areas would call, like other states, would somehow hear of us, and they would write to us and say, "Do you carry this or do you carry that?" And so we would start photocopying things and. Pretty soon we were taking photocopied sheets and stapling them together. And then pretty soon after that we said, well, why don't we just take it to a printer? And it wasn't long before we actually had a catalog. And then when people wrote and said, do you carry this stuff? Well, we sent them a catalog. And, and that establishment of the catalog business kind of became a way for us to let people know that we were here. Uh, you know, there's this odd little business in Northeast Ohio that has all of these unique things. And, and so that was kind of another way that we kind of moved to a larger audience and, and kind of got the word out that we had it. And then, of course, after the catalog came the internet. So now we have our internet site, laymans.com, and uh, our products are all there as well. And for the listeners that haven't looked at Layman's website, it is unbelievable with the, the detail, the pictures, and just the variety of items. It's, it's an amazing website. Galen, you talked about how, you know, one of the offshoots of, of the business was you got into manufacturing. It, of all the product and inventory that you carry in the store, what percentage would you say are products that you manufacture, and then what would be the percentage that you get from other manufacturers? Well, you know, to be honest, our manufacturing is really, really small. I mean, we manufacture about eight or ten different items. Uh, but what we look for is items that you can't get anywhere else. So uh, I already mentioned the butter churn. Uh, 
but this will give you an idea of how diverse this process is. Besides the butter churn, we also manufacture an apple peeler that was invented in 1878 and really works better than any modern apple peeler. And again, it was a case where the, the guy that made it was going to quit and there was no, other, no one else to take over and we just thought it was too good of a product to let it go. So we started making that. Uh, we make we have a U.S. made farm bell where in a, in a market where really all the farm bells are made in China. Uh, we have a grain mill, uh, and, and we have a, a hand water pump that is a design that dates from the turn of the century, and once again is a design of hand water pump that no one was going to make. The last guy to make it was dying, and it was the end of the road unless we picked up the, picked up the reins and went at it again. So that's what we did. Hmm. We started manufacturing. So those items, there's no relation between those items except one thing. We knew that if we didn't start making them, it was finished. So we started making them. It seems to me that you, you took advantage of opportunities, but it also those opportunities presented themselves, I would guess, by the relationship you developed with, with you, that you developed and with your suppliers. Is that is that fair to say? dad and for my sister who also works here, what we see is that the world works on relationships and caring for other people is what makes it work. When, when there's no caring, then that's when the wheels come off. And you can look at any situation in the world and when you see that things are going bad, it's because people weren't caring for each other anymore. And so one of our objectives, you know, you talked about taking advantage of opportunities there was never really a time when we said, we can make a lot of money if we do this. And, and making money has never really been our objective. Our objective was always to help. How can we help? So the, when I listed the items we manufacture, for example, um, I've, I've done the math, and I think you can probably say we're making money. On the other hand, other times I look at it and it's like, why are we still doing this? It's so hard. And that the return isn't great, maybe we shouldn't even be doing it. But yet we keep doing it because what we want to do is provide a service and, and help other people that are trying to do something that's important to them. How can we help them succeed at what's important to them? That's, what's, that's what makes my clock tick and my dad's clock tick and, and my sister, that's what we care about. Okay. Now, I, I want to ask you another question about that. So I've heard you talk about relationships, helping and or serving others. What are some other core values that you have as a family operation? Well, we have, we have internal, um, an internal document that we circulate with employees. Uh, we don't, and, and we go over it periodically and discuss what it means. We don't publish it, and, and I'm not even that comfortable talking about it, but I will reason we don't like to talk about it is that what we see is that people like to say what's important to them, but they are not willing to live what's important to them. And, and so we decided we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to live it. But I can give you, I mean, kind of a glimpse of what we do there. So one of the, they are actually the core value that we have is integrity. So um, when we, the way that that affects us is uh, when we publish something in the catalog, we put in what we see as the truth. We've put items in the catalog in the past 
and, and you know, I, I haven't read every word, and we may even be saying it now. I don't know, but we—it's—it's it's been our practice to say in the catalog, this item is not the best quality, but it's the only one we can find. So instead of saying, instead of taking something that we know isn't up to our standards and trying to make it sound like it's something special when it isn't, we're just honest. This is this is what's available. If you want to do this particular thing, this is the product you can get. I'm sorry, it's not great. Uh, and and so that's an example of uh, of what we do. Um, we also uh, our our second value after integrity is fairness. Uh, there's, it's very easy to think first of what's best for yourself. What we try to do, and of course nobody can be 100% successful at this, and it would be foolish for me to claim that we weren't. But what we try to do is, is to be fair. So what, what is fair? What, what will my employees think is fair? How do they want to be treated? What will my customers think is fair? How do they want to be treated? And, and I think if, to the extent that it's possible to put yourself second, which is really a hard thing to do. Everybody wants to be first, right? To the extent that we can put ourselves second and be fair to other people, I think good things can happen. Okay. And then you have relationships and helping others. Right. Well, that's a, that's a great set of core values. Uh, to your point uh, about employees, because it, it's apparent to me that your your business has a significant economic impact on your community. How many employees do you have right now? We have uh, about a, I mean, it's very seasonally, uh, but it's, it's over 100 employees. Okay. okay. In the fall, it's a lot more. In the spring, it's a little less. Okay. Okay. We have a, we have a full-time core group, and then we, we hire part-time and seasonal Okay. Okay. Right. Going back in, into your background, you shared a little bit about that. You, it sounds like you had a very interesting childhood experience where, where you spent a significant amount of time in Africa. Can you give the listeners some background on your childhood? Yeah, I was pretty charmed. Living in a in that culture where um, you know we were we played with mud and, and sticks and uh, I mean it was kind of like growing up in the twenties or thirties I suppose um, I have lots of good memories of growing up uh, I had I had uh, you know I had my share of close calls where where you, you take a fall or you get an infected cut or something like that. I had malaria a couple times, which were, which was, um, I mean, there was one point when I was probably near death, but, but to me, it felt like a charmed, a charmed life. Uh, we were in, a, we were in a place that was safe. Uh, uh, in Kenya at that time, which is where we were most of the time, it was, the country was fairly stable, and uh, I just, I just grew up feeling safe and feeling like I belonged. Was it a tough adjustment coming back to the United States? Yeah, I mean, anytime you move from one culture to another, it's difficult. Uh, for a long time, I was kind of feeling sorry for myself that it was, uh, it was I mean, 
And when I came back, I was in middle school. It was a tough time to make any kind of adjustment. Uh, anybody who remembers what middle school is like knows that that's a difficult time of life. And um, but, but what I see now is that having had to go through that culture change has made me more open to other people and more adaptable, more willing to listen to other points of view, and that's been a valuable uh, kind of learning for me. Okay. And so you're progressing through middle school and, and then high school. What what did you do? That were you involved in sports, extracurriculars, or did you strictly work in the family business? Uh, I played uh, soccer in high school, but I was never any good. So um, I, 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 I got sore practicing, and I got sore sitting on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and uh, I started working at, at Layman's uh, my junior year, uh, actually between my sophomore and junior year in high school. And uh, that was the first job I ever had, and it's looking like it'll be the last job I ever had. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I think I think a lot of in a lot of family businesses there's an expectation that the next generation should come in, and I was never burdened with that. It was always clearly my choice when I started working here in high school. Uh, I didn't even for a long time I wasn't even really sure my dad wanted me here. I mean, I was just I almost I had to ask him for a job. He didn't ask me to work, and I. Uh, I, you know, it was, it's that I wanted it, not that I was expected to work here. And and that has made, I may be wrong about this, but my feeling is that if you want to be there is when, you're, is when it's fun. If the family expects you to be there, maybe it's not so fun. Uh, but I've, I've really enjoyed what I do. Okay. What, and you may have answered this already, um, what 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 do you think is the greatest reward you get day in and day out? Well, I think it's important to go home at night and feel like you've done something important. Uh, I think it's I think that's what makes us feel like our lives are worth something is when we can find something that feels important to us, and so. That's the, what I strive for when I come to work. It's, what can I do today that, it, that has value? And uh, of course, it's easy to get distracted. You know, you've got meetings to go to and appointments, and um, everything is these days. Everything is rush, rush, rush. Uh, but if we can carve out time in that rush to figure out what's important and then to try and do it, that's what makes us feel good. I think. Right. Now, what what I what I find really interesting, I co- hope you can speak to this because you, you talked about how your business is seasonal. It, it's been my experience living in Ohio is every time we have, and you kind of alluded to it, maybe it's a it's a fuel crisis or an emergency crisis created by weather. 
such as the the windstorm we had a few years ago, your your store invariably makes the news because you get a run on <laughs> on your non electrical appliances. Can you can you talk to some? Can you talk to and maybe share some of the stories you have uh, when when those crises have come about? great advice because you're right and i'm i'm certainly guilty of that in various areas as well just not not even really thinking about it until it does happen you know looking at your website you have such a wide variety of categories of things that you offer health and beauty garden home goods etc etc how how do you how do you look to define those niche, those niche markets, and is is there one particular sector on that website that's growing more than another? Well, one thing that um, you have to keep in mind is that some of the items that I'm talking about just aren't that popular anymore. So we we have to find items that kind of relate to who we are, but but are still popular in the general public. So. I talked about a butter churn, for example. We sell, I don't know, I think maybe 150 or 200 of those a year. You know, it's 
not a great business. Uh, and we certainly couldn't build our whole business on that. So we look for things that have a broader appeal. So uh, we've got items that everybody uses in their kitchen every day, paring knives and, and uh, uh, kitchen helpers like, uh, like uh, cheese graters. And I mean, you know, stuff that is really, it's readily available everywhere. Now we're trying to get stuff that's a little higher quality uh, and, and uh, you know, it's a little bit uh, more functional than you might find at other stores. Uh, but a, a, there's a broad swath of our stuff, probably 80% of it, that's not the kind of uh, very unusual items that I just talked about. But, we're, but all of those items, the thing that holds them together as a category or, or under our brand, for all of those items, we're focused on what can you make yourself? How can you uh, have more control over your environment? How can you do it better? What, what can you do that's handmade? You know, we carry a wide supply of canning, uh, food canning items. Uh, so those are those are those relate because now we're talking about more quality food. Uh, we're talking about uh, food that you made yourself. Uh, we're talking about knowing where your food came from and making sure it's safe. All those things relate to our concept of, of relying on yourself instead of someone else. But what I also noticed about your website as well is you obviously you have a lot of expertise within yourself and in your team. You have the products, but you also carry a wide selection of books. To to me, it's it's almost a total package. On if so, people have any of these questions about how to do. A particular thing, for example, the gardening. If you wanted to be an organic gardener, you've you've got. It seems like you've got the complete package on on how to do that from the from the products you need to do it to the personal expertise, and then and then the books. So, yeah, we, what we understand is that many of these things are kind of uh, they're so difficult to find anymore, and it's even becoming more difficult to find people that how to do it. So what we've kind of tried to do is become the, the, the guardian of knowledge as well as of the product. So we also have a, another website besides our main shopping website, layman's.com. We have another site called countrylife.layman's.com. And on the, on the countrylife.layman's.com website, we have articles that tell you how to do this stuff. So uh, you know, of course, we're happy to sell you a book, and, and the books are probably more detailed than the articles on the website. But there's lots of information on that website about um, how to can, how to how to make butter, how to do things the old-fashioned way, uh, and including um, articles about just fun things, how to, how to make a, a birdhouse, or uh, about events we have at Layman's, or that kind of thing. Okay. Is there, a, I'm not sure how to ask this question exactly, is there, is there a common type of question that you get from people that come into your store in terms of asking whether it's a hobby or changing their lifestyle? Is there a common question that you and your staff get on a daily basis? <laughs> You're going to be surprised. <laughs> uh, have you been down to the store? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's big, right? Right. Uh, it's about an acre and it's under one roof. And it was it was uh, built from many small buildings connected together. So it's kind of it's kind of a fun maze. You just wander from room to room, and every room has a different theme. Um, and and people often come and stay for a couple hours, which leads me to the most common question. Where is the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, we're happy to point it to point it out. <laughs> That's the old-fashioned toilet section, right? <laughs> uh, those are for display only, so please use the restroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of what customers ask us about how to use the product, each each room in the store has a special uh, uh, focus. So we have a room with, with mostly food. We have a room with mostly kitchen supplies. We have a room with mostly wood stoves. We have a room with mostly oil lamps. And and so and, and of course there's another seven or eight rooms after that. But so the question that becomes then is what room they're in is affecting what question they have. And the person who may come to our store who's interested in baking has no interest at all in the wood stove. Or the person may come who's interested in wood stoves and has no interest at all in the, in the area we have for washing clothes. And so the questions you get, you know, will vary by which which area they're in and what what thing they're interested in. And then we have in each room we have one person who's like our designated expert uh, who, who knows the products, knows how to use them, and, and knows what the purpose is of why why you would want to use them in the first place. Great, great. It, I, I don't know if you can identify this or not, but what would be your top five selling products that you carry? Well, you know, it changes seasonally, and some of the items I've talked about already, uh, like the gas refrigerators, are popular in the spring and summer when things warm up. They don't require electricity, and they're, they're silent. They don't make any noise. So a lot of times people who live in an apartment apartment is quieter when you take, the, take away the electric refrigerator. Uh, the wood stoves are popular in the fall. The lighting products are popular in the fall. Uh, late summer is for canning. Spring is for gardening. Uh, the, the dead of winter, uh, we've got old-fashioned children's sleds. And of course, we have to have snow shovels, right? So we got those. Non-electric snow removal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, and we try to have something for each season. Springtime for gardening, or fall for breaking uh, uh, leaves, or the winter uh, when you need heat. We try to cover each season. Okay. If, if you had to, I'm sure your your father's spoken about this, and or you've talked about it at the dinner table. What legacy are you hoping to leave with your business? I would like people to say, and I, I probably my dad would probably say the same thing, is that we'd like to be known as people that try to do the right thing. And um, it's not always easy to, to do that. And, of course, like anybody, we make mistakes. Uh, but that's, that's my goal is to be known that way. And, uh, and that's, to the best of my ability, that's what I'm going to Okay. 
you, you've mentioned it a few times, uh, your website. How, how can people, how can listeners learn more about Layman's Hardware? Website is layman's.com. It's L-E-H-M-A-N-S. Might not be spelled the way you expect. L-E-H-M-A-N-S. And so you can go there for shopping, or you can go to our sister website, countrylife.layman's.com, and you'll find there articles about how to live without electricity. Uh, you know, you can also look for us on Facebook, uh, where where we've got a fairly active site, people talking back and forth and giving advice and Helping, uh, helping each other, uh, and, and our, uh, we also have a Twitter account. So you can, you know, you can reach us in any of the ways that social media works today. If you Google uh, Layman's, L-E-H-M-A-N apostrophe S, uh, you'll usually find us. And my name is Galen. You can, that's kind of an unusual name, G-A-L-E-N. You can probably also find us by, by Googling uh, Galen Layman. Okay. Galen, is there anything that you'd like to promote from an event standpoint, a sales standpoint, the next big, next big thing for the business? Uh, well, we have uh, quarterly events. Uh, we've got an old-fashioned Christmas planned uh, for, uh, the, for late December, uh, and you can get the dates and more information on our website. Uh, and, and the fall event just passed. Uh, but this time of year, we, right now, right at this moment, we've got some pretty big uh, bargains running on in the Woodstow department, and it's that time it's that time when people are thinking about that. Uh, so we've got um, on, uh, up to 30% off on, on one line and, and 10 to 15% on most of, or many other lines. So this is a great time to buy a Woodstow, and it's a time when uh, you probably ought to be thinking about it because cold days are coming. Last winter was a rough one, wasn't it? Uh, it's supposed to be worse this year from everything I'm hearing. So. I've heard that too, yeah. yeah. Hey, well, I'm down in southwest Ohio, but uh, we think we got more snow than northern Ohio last year, which is very unusual for us. So, Okay, well, I, I appreciate it, Galen. Appreciate the time. And for those of you that listen to the show, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or Stitcher. That helps give feedback on what you like about the show and what else you'd like to see. Galen, any last words to add? No, uh, thanks Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed talking with you. And, uh, and whoever's, uh, those of you that are listening, I look forward to seeing you in the store. Okay, great. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioans podcast. Have a great day.